Good morning, happy Monday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, digging into a very busy Monday. Quick housekeeping item. Um, IFAST University members, we have a call at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're not a member of IFAST University, go to ifastuniversity.com, ifastuniversity.com. Get yourself signed up there and join us at 1 p.m. today for that call. Uh, going into the Q&A, this is with Ian. Ian had a, a quick question uh, about the difference between a, a fake medicine ball throw and one where there is a release. And uh, basically we're relying on Isaac Newton here for a lot of this um, with the fake throws. Uh, the connective tissue behavior becomes that of, of a yielding action, which actually dampens the, the forces involved. So we're actually spreading the force out amongst the connective tissues. And with the release, we're actually getting the overcoming action at the end of, of the throw. So that's the distinguishing characteristic uh, between the two. And we discussed that um, in a little bit more detail in the call. So for those of you that like to use fake throws and think you're doing something, let's, let's pay very close attention to actually what you're doing. Very useful in a rehab situation um, with the fake throws. I'll give full credit to my buddy Lee Taft um, for bringing those to light um, for, for many of the coaches and trainers that are following Lee. He's an awesome guy and a, and a great coach. If you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Please include your question in the email. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Monday, and I'll see you tomorrow. Ian. Hi, sir. Greetings. I have a really, really quick one today. I just I, I went through uh, through your videos of the thirteen exercises for mid propulsion with the uh -huh. with the athlete, and just some terminology I would like to I would like to go through like the when you when you were doing like the staggered stance uh, fake chop with the medicine ball, uh -huh. and it said like I don't I cannot visualize like the dampen yield versus just the yield. Yeah, I would like to go through that. Is that because as I see it, if I if I fake chop and not throw the ball, I would have to yield more than if I if I release. Would that be because okay. the weight is come? Yeah, because I have to stop the stop the stop the force. Okay, if you if you do the if you do the fake throw. Okay, yeah. if you do the fake throw. Do you know when you're going to stop? Not so really. Go, yeah. Really? You don't? Oh yeah, you do. You do. It, it depends on how hard you, you, yeah. But, well, but yes, you know, but, you know, but exactly you know, when, you know, yeah. you know, you're not going to let go. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the difference between the two is I start slowing down sooner. So if I'm going to release, I don't have to slow down at all. all right. If I know I'm not right. going to release, I have to slow the, I, I start slowing the ball down sooner. So the duration of the yield is extended, and, but the force of the yield is lessened. So that's the thing, right? You got it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, would you rather get punched in the face at high velocity or have somebody go really, really fast and then slow down and then just kind of go like that. Which one would be, which one's dampened, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So, so like I said, because you, you already know, you have that anticipatory um, um, deceleration of that. That's why those are useful because they reduce the, they, re, they increase the duration of the yield, very useful, and they dampen the, the force of the yield, very useful. All right, all right, all right. Do you see yeah. the difference between the two? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And the, the next one, when you, when you actually release the ball, Yes, sir. Is that could, could you say the the magnitude decreases as you release the ball? So you're actually decreasing the magnitude of the, let's say my right right leg is back, left leg is fo- back, uh, left leg is forward, and as I release the ball, I'm actually creating force into the ball, which unweights me on the. Yes, you're going in the opposite yeah. direction. All right, all right. Technically, technically, you're going in the opposite technically. direction. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, the, so, okay. So this is the difference between the, the, the force application and then the demonstration of velocity in any kind of a throw. So if we were right. talking about a javelin, we were talking about a baseball, we were talking about, I don't know, what else does anybody throw here? Um, uh, the point is there's a point of max P that's the maximum force that propagates the energy into the implement. And then there's the release so, so there's yeah. no more force application. Like the force application is reduced, yeah. right? That's yeah. why, so if, if you were just walking across the ground at the point of max P, your force is maximum. When you're in the most, in, when you still have ground contact and your foot is in the latest representation of late, right? Yeah. There's still force into the ground. It's a heck of a lot less than, than what it was at max P and the velocity yeah. is higher. You see, it, it, All right. it, that's what we're talking about. So yeah. yes, force would be reduced. You would go in the opposite direction, technically speaking. Okay, it, all right. It would be opposing um, uh, direction. All right, all right. Good morning, happy Tuesday. I have neuro coffee in hand, and it is perfect as usual. All right. A very busy Tuesday coming up. We're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. Um, this is with Alex. Alex had some great questions about some of the appearance of the rear foot um, in helping us determine where somebody may be in space, what kind of an orientation that we're dealing with with the foot. Um, calcinus is a really interesting interesting bone. It does bend. It does twist, which is going to throw off some of your so-called eversion inversion measures. We've got a lot of soft tissue that's attached here. We've got a fat pad, we've got the Achilles tendon. All of those things will change shape depending on where the center of gravity may be resting on the foot. So for instance, if we're if we're very heel heavy, we're gonna see an expansion of the width of the, of the rear foot. We may see a, an, a width change in the Achilles tendon as well. And we can make a comparison between two sides as to which side may be more loaded, which side may be more anterior. So for instance, if you were to lift the heel off the ground, now we have a reduction in that width of the rear foot. We're gonna see an increase in tension in the Achilles tendon. And so again, whenever we're trying to diagnose or or just determine where somebody may be in space, we're gonna use every detail that we possibly can. So yes, we're gonna rely on our chessboard a great deal, but we can also look at these um, rear foot comparisons to help us determine um, how we're going to initiate our intervention. So Alex, great question. If you would like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15 minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. We'll arrange that 
at our mutual convenience. Don't forget to include your question in the email. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday, and I'll see you tomorrow. I was wondering, um, I was hoping we could talk about the representation of like the thickness of someone's heel. What so, so, say, say one more time. You 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 put a little glitch in there. Uh, the thickness of somebody's heel. The whatness? Thickness. Thickness. Okay. Sorry. Like expanded versus non-expanded, potentially. Um, because I've obviously there's a degree of just genetic variance and morphology that affects this. Um, but I feel like I've seen some people who are very expanded um, below the like level of the scapula who have really thick, wide heels. Um, and I've seen some people with really strong anterior orientations that have very skinny heels. Um, yeah. So I was, I was hoping you could shed some light on um, what exactly might be going on there. Okay, so there's a... <clears throat> So the morphology of the calcaneus is actually kind of kind of cool, and some of it's actually been associated with uh, like uh, gastric belly length and things like that. Um, you get people with like, uh, hang on, where's my? There we go. <clears throat> when you look at at that part right there, okay, as how far behind the foot it extends. Um, has has a bit of a play in in some of the morphology the degree of of uh, er in the foot also has a play in it where it will tilt it down right so it tilts this way a little bit more um but as far as like the are you talking about like like the width of it like that's its appearance of width from behind i'd say so yeah okay yeah <clears throat> some of that could just be the the element of turn that you're seeing, right? So if I take this, and you can just kind of see that it's twisted, but if I turn it like that, you're gonna see a little bit more of like a broader representation of the rear foot, okay? And so more than, than just like true bony width, um, I would lean in the direction that you're probably seeing an element of that, okay? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, a couple of people I've seen who are crazy compressed ER um, using a rectus strategy, and they're very ER'd, yeah. would have that representation. Yes. 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 Now, you do have other elements of this, such as like the uh, the width of the Achilles, the amount of tension on the Achilles. Okay, because because you'll you'll see. Um, you can see the, the asymmetry in somebody that would be like more ER'd on one side where the center of gravity is further forward and there's less weight on the, the calcaneus on that side. And you'll see the increased tension um, through the Achilles, which will give the appearance of a narrowing, right? Because as you, as you pull the Achilles long, it will narrow and therefore its attachment um, on the on the uh, calcaneus will will narrow as well, so so that's also in play, and so if you had somebody that was um, maybe not as far forward, they've got a little bit more of the anterior orientation of the entire foot, where the where the arch is really really low, 
um, but they haven't, they've had, they're not fully loading the, the forefoot like some people do. Um, you'll see like a wider representation as well. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff that, that can give you a visual representation of that. The position of the fat pad plays into this as well. Um, you get somebody that, that is very, very ER'd, um, not a lot of weight on the heel, the fat pad's not gonna spread out nearly as much. And so, so you got a lot of stuff going on there that can give you the appearance. The cool thing about the, about the calcaneus is that you can grab it and you can compress the soft tissue around it. And so you can actually, you can actually feel some of the turn, um, especially when you get somebody that's, that's got the really hard ER twist. They've got, a, 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 you know, the, the, the foot's so ER, they've got a lot of concentric muscle activity in the bottom of the foot. So the arch is very, very high. You can, you can feel the, you can feel the turn when you grab the calcaneus. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with doing that. Like back in the olden days, um, when we used to draw lines on calcanei and then try to draw a line on the midline of the calf, I don't. Do they still teach that in school? Where, where you try to? I didn't learn it. You say you did not? Yeah. Okay. So what they used to do, they say, grab the grab the 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 tibia and and fibula like mid shaft compress the soft tissue, find the midline there, and you would compress the calcaneus and draw the midline there. And you would, that, that would be your determinant of the degrees of varus and valgus, um, a very frontal plane representation, if you will. Um, not terribly useful um, in the real world, but like I said, that's how we used to do it back before you were born. And uh, um, but, but like I said, you can grab the calcaneus and, and get a gist for its orientation. And, and that might help you like differentiate a little bit more. Yeah. Um, if someone is stuck in like a positioning of representative of a certain phase of the gait cycle, would it be possible that there's more fluid in different parts of the foot affecting visually what I would see? And would I, is it like visually obvious? Uh, sometimes, sometimes. So let me break out the foot. <clears throat> Let's do it this way. So, um, as you, so when, when you think about, about where the expansions and compressions have to occur, as you go from like an early representation through middle, so you've got a transition of expansion. So as you land in an early representation, the expansion is is in that anterior compartment dorsum of the foot. And then as you translate across, I have to compress that space and therefore the expansion would be um, towards the, the plantar aspect of the, and posterior. So when you think about what is moving the slowest in this entire circumstance, it's like the, the tibia starts translating over the foot. So it's gotta be going faster than the foot. So this is the slowest place that you're gonna see, which means that, <clears throat> Two, two cool things. Volume of expansion is going to go in this direction. Turbulence is going to go in that direction as well. So when you think about like fluid shifting and stuff like that, it's getting kind of smushed back towards the heel because I have to slow that down the most. Turbulence will slow it down. Say again? Turbulence will slow it down. 
Absolutely, it does. Right. Yeah. Because laminar flow would be would be right. a little bit easier, a little bit smoother. And, and so it, it does become turbulent. And it's, it's a little harder to picture because we're dealing with a lot of solid, what appears to be solid stuff. Right. But but that that is the reality is that when we talk about the the, the fluid within the tissues themselves, they're getting squeezed back in that direction to slow the heel down. Yeah. And someone. Um... You get a narrow say that goes into a sway back positioning um, where they're getting their center of gravity pushed backwards a little bit. Um, you see fluids start to collect more posteriorly. I'm just relating this back to my question about the heel pad or the heel in general. Um, can you see fluid or can you see like the thickness of the calcaneus change? Right I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that you would under... under okay most circumstances i think i think what you're gonna probably what you're gonna do is you're gonna end up making a like a a comparison so like a within subject comparison mm, okay like you will see you will see rear foot shape change associated with center of gravity um orientation of the of the calcaneus to talus as the foot changes its shape, yeah. you will see that. I would say that you you would do that within the subject though don't I wouldn't try to make the leap of you know, between between two two patients or yeah. two clients. Okay, cool. Very helpful. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. I have neural coffee in hand, and it is perfect. All right. It is Wednesday. That means that tomorrow's Thursday, which means tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. As usual, the coffee and coaches conference call. Um, great Q&A, great people. Grab yourself a cup of coffee. Please join us for that. There is no cost. Just you have to get up early, apparently. Um, Eastern Standard Time, 6 a.m. We'll see you tomorrow for that Q&A. Dig into today's Q&A. Um, this is with Dale. Dale's power lifter and working on some shape change associated with some sled dragging. Um, and, and so we talk about how this actually works uh, because we can be selective as to how we're driving the, the shape change either towards the pelvis or away from the pelvis. So for instance, if we were to utilize the, the, the belt, the strapping system that we actually talk about during this, this call, we can apply the pressure to the to the anomaly bones to the ilium and we can promote a shape change proximally in the pelvis that's going to allow us to drive uh intra rotation proximal to distal into the ground if we were to apply the pressure to the trochanter we're going to drive the intra rotation from the hip itself into the pelvis we're going to drive an earlier representation of internal rotation and so again we can be selective as to how we do this depending on the needs of the individual so dale's doing some really good stuff um, with these sled drags but we'll break that explanation down for you in this q a so thank you dale if you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com askbillhartman at gmail.com please put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so i don't delete it include your question in the email. Everybody have an outstanding Wednesday. I will see you tomorrow morning, Thursday, 6 a.m. Coffee and Coaches Conference call. See ya. So I don't want anybody else in the room. So if somebody walks by, it'll grab them. Yeah. But all right. So I know for a couple of weeks now we've talked about some of the my old school stuff that we used to do, box uh -huh. squats and how it, uh -huh. it's affected in your model. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we used to do a lot, sled dragging, and I've seen a lot of your videos on sled dragging, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to 
understand the influence of what we do to your model. Uh -huh. So I'm gonna give you an example. So obviously I train with a lot of wides. Yeah. It's just the, the nature of the beast, right? So we'll, we use a, like a three inch nylon toe strap, toe strap, you know, to, to pull with. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. We do a lot of backward sled pulling with mm -hmm. where we put the nylon strap, let's say around the, around the trochanter. Uh-huh. Right, where it's, where okay. it's a trochanter. We use a load light enough that we can breathe really well. We internally rotate the femurs about five degrees, put the foot pressure all in the arches, I mean, in, in the medial part of the arches, and yeah. drive back. Yeah. Is that creating a shape change for the wides that are out wide because yeah. of the compression? Two, two parts, because of the compression that we're yeah. putting on the sides. Okay. So um, the, the, premise, the premise is useful, okay, um, when, when you're trying to hang on to some internal rotation. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing you're going to have to be careful of. Because of the, the population that you work with, you got to be careful that you're not creating an, an anti-orientation under those circumstances. Because if you give up, if you give up foot contacts, okay, like if you give up the lateral foot contacts, so there's not enough lateral foot contact, mm -hmm. then you're you're not going to be emphasizing relative movement. You're going to create an you're going to create an orientation. Now, from a powerlifting standpoint, might not be too bad because um, you are sort of uh, reinforcing some elements that you would use to pick up heavy things. If the goal is if the goal is from relative motion, which is what it sounds like. Then you got to be you got to be aware of um, how you're pushing through the ground. Now, because you are pushing through the ground, because you are dragging some weight, I would expect that you would have a, a, a fairly strong medial foot contact. The thing you want to be careful of is that you're not lifting up the right. Yeah, we're, 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 we coach is to sense the outside, but yeah. kind of put an emphasis on yeah. the inside, right? Yeah. Yeah, because because you want to you want to stay you want to stay inside the, you want your turn to be inside of your base of support, right? So so under that respect, great. Um, the the pressure on the trochanter, great. The pressure through the pelvis, great. Okay, um, because again, it's gonna it's gonna help reduce. I don't know if it's gonna reduce the 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 orientation, right? But at least it's not going to promote more of it. And so that might be the buffer that you need from a training perspective that, that allows you to lift with less discomfort, more performance kind of a thing. So the premise is, I'm, I'm like very cool with the premise. What kind of a, uh, you have a belt that's attached well, to the- it's a, it's, a it's a toe strap, you know, a car, a car toe strap. Okay, and it's it's like you said, it's like three inches wide. It's, it's nylon. It's it's like three inches. It's really soft. Okay. It, it kind of it cradles it cradles your glutes and comes around. It's it's not uh, like a spud. Is it a spud strap? No, no. This is actually a car a, a, a strap you tow cars with. Okay, right? awesome. <laughs> it, this is going back. It stands to reason that now, only a powerlifter would go. Yeah, let's use the one that we tow the cars with because we're going to be pulling enough weight. Well, right? you know, it, it's back old school because we used to just have different size tires. 
you know, with, <laughs> with semen in it. So, and, and that's what we used to pull. I, so. I, I, I have done that in the past. I used to go to a little elementary school behind my house and drag tires with sandbags in them. Yes, I, I, yeah, I was poor and I couldn't, couldn't buy a sled, so I made one out of an old tire. And now chain, it's a little better. Yeah. All right, so there's more. Chains, man. That's all I had. <laughs> there's one more that we do that I want to ask you about. Mm -hmm. It's where we'll pull it sideways, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And pushing, once again, medially rotating or eternally rotating the, the back leg, the working leg, the, the leg that's facing the sled. Yeah, you know, I know. Five degrees. Yeah. As you push off, mainly, you know, say once again, working on that inside, the medial arch, right? Yeah. Pushing yeah. out. Yeah. As you lift the right, as, as the away leg lifts, you kind of rotate your zipper towards the femur just a little bit so which, you get a little. Which bit. one? Which one? The 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 non-working leg. Yes. So you're. It's, right. So yeah. You're. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're doing. And once again, we've got it on the trochanter again as, as we're pushing through. Uh -huh. And it seems and it seems to give make the hip give a little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, the two sides. Like basically, right? what you're doing is you're just here. Hang on. You're just kind of squeezing in. Whoops. You're kind of squeezing in like that. Like, correct? Well, I, I think of it more as as the, the the nominate bones moving. Well, if you're if you're pushing through the trochanter, you're doing, yeah. that, but you're doing it through the hip. So you're doing okay. it from here medially. Right. Mm -hmm. If you if you move it up and you put it on the iliac crest, now you're going right. to get much more of, more of that type of a shape change. So you have to okay. decide. You have to decide. Which one you want? Okay. Hang on. So if I create the shape change here, okay, what I'm going to end up with is I'm going to end up with um, more proximal to distal IR because I'm going to hold that shape change as I'm pushing into the ground with my leg towards the sled. If I put it down in the trochanter, I can drive more IR from uh, from distal to proximal, and then promote the change that way. So, so you you have to decide. It's like, do I want a uh, an early representation of that IR that's coming up from the ground, or am I trying to deliver more IR into the ground? Okay. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference? It does. Two? Yeah, I do. Uh, I know that when I do it, I feel like I'm ready for my Saturday night fever walk. You're ready for the what? My Saturday night fever walk. Oh, sweet. Do you do, you do the, do you do the. <laughs> a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. Just, you can, when you start walking, you can feel the difference after yeah. I've done. Yeah. That. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll most likely have a little bit more internal rotation on the lead leg. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. uh, fun fact. Uh, I've seen Saturday night fever 150 times. True story. True story. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. Hands down. I just watched it again last if, week. If you haven't seen Saturday Night Fever, if you have not seen Saturday Night Fever, you can't be my friend. True story. Grace, I'm telling you, don't be shaking your head, girl. It's like, I know my movies. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. Um, my 
question was about the sequencing of activities to capture the early IR coming from the ground up. Um, is, is the reason why you may keep the excursion of the range of motion when you're doing, say, like a short split squat, right? Um, and you're, you're capturing the internal rotation on the front foot. Is the reason why you're keeping the excursion of the range of motion low because you don't want to create so much internal rotation that you start turning the sacrum away from that side because you're working on accepting the IR up the leg into the pelvis to capture the shape change there. Um, okay, so you're talking about like a right foot lead in this situation, correct? Right, yeah. Okay, so which direction is the sacrum facing in a right foot lead, um, any, any kind of right foot lead, like a stagger stance or a split squat? It would already be starting to go towards the left. What's right. facing the left? If your right foot's yeah. forward, it's left, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then the and then the the yield will take place on the right side as she is landing on the right foot. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Now, that's a delay. It's not a turn. Okay. You understand that, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. connect. It's the connective tissue behavior that we're most trying to influence under these circumstances to slow that side down. So as she lands on the ground, that foot is now in contact with the ground. That foot now has to move slower than the other side because the other side now has to come through. So she's got to start slowing that side down. So that's that's the yielding action on that side. Okay, so that's early propulsive representation. Okay. Right. Yep. Signal spacing the left. If she was to descend into a full split squat, um, under those circumstances, how far do you think the sacrum would turn to the right? Uh, can, let's go back one second. You, you said assume there's no space on the left and she was to descend into a full split squat? No, no, no. If she was to descend into a full split squat, how far do you think the sacrum would turn to the right? Wouldn't it start turning more towards the left though? If she was doing a right foot forward split squat. Yeah. And she was to descend all the way into the split squat. So uh, you would maybe go to middle. Yeah. So it's never going to yeah. turn to the right under those circumstances, right? Yeah. Okay. So what's your concern? I was just trying to, I don't know why I, I had never like thought of it in this way before. Um, I was, maybe it's a question about like the connective tissue behavior versus like actually capturing the turn. Because then to me, when you started talking about, all right, you, all right, maybe this is my concern, okay? Mm -hmm. um, when you're always producing a force into a ground understanding, because if you weren't, then you would be, you would be falling, right? You'd be um, going through the ground somehow, yes. Somehow, yeah. So... She's technically producing IR down to the ground from her right leg to her left, right? And then as she's like pulling herself down into the ground okay, to do on. this. Hang on. Yeah. So her lead, her lead side, right, is is the side that is absorbing energy from the ground. So she's taking so the internal rotation is going up through if we're if we're in a right foot lead, it's coming up through the right side. Yeah. Okay. Rear leg, IR is going down. Into yeah. Okay. Because that's the, that's the more propulsive oriented leg. Uh, they're both they're both they're both propulsive. Okay. They're both propulsive. One is early. One is late. The distinguishing characteristic being the absorption of energy on one side, the production of energy on the other side. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just to be clear. So the, again, so this is the connective tissue behavior in play, right? Because we've got we've got ER we've got ER representations on both sides. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, at the beginning, IR representation in the descent, if you will. If we're still talking about a split squat, just to be clear. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm saying this for everyone's benefit. Like, I know you know this. I'm just yeah. stating it out loud. Okay. I took no offense. I didn't think you would. I was stating that for everybody. <laughs> Why I was stating it because I know some people are going, it's like, yeah, I know this. And it's like, oh. And there's some people going, oh, light bulb. Yeah. Right? You never know. You just never know. Okay. So, so if I was really trying to work on magnifying the ability to yield posteriorly on the lead leg right and i wouldn't want to advance the sacrum towards middle right that's when i would use my shorter amplitude stuff okay now we we got to start talking about so so there is if there's one foot on the ground and and i'm still advancing the other side there is always a delay on that that grounded side mm. question mark this is where is it where <clears throat> Okay, and my dog barked over me, so I said, "Where is it?" For those of you that didn't hear me, okay. So, so as we land on the ground and we're in the ER representation with a counternutated sacrum, we have a delay that would be more towards the sacral base because, again, because of because of the relationship between the sacrum and the ilium. As we move through middle propulsion, right, that delay is going to have to change its its relative position so it's going to move from sacral base it's going to move inferiorly more towards the apex of the sacrum because of the shape change that has to take place in the pelvis for internal rotation to occur okay, okay? so remember say if there's a foot on the ground and it's not moving okay so we're moving you know if you were on ice it'd be a different story right um, yeah. but because it, it, we're, we're assuming that it's secured in the ground and the other side is also moving forward you, you have to have a delay somewhere, right? And so, so this is the goal is to be able to, to have the connective tissue behavior that, that creates the yield at the sacral base. As I initiate propulsion, as I move through middle, it moves inferiorly towards the lower part of the pelvis, okay? You understand? Reason yeah. being, it's like, because I have to have the delay and I have to have the shape change. Problems arise when that doesn't happen. Problems arise when that doesn't happen. Well, that's your measurement. So you, so you got somebody that, that you got somebody that has that doesn't show the early representation of internal rotation, right? And yet they're still performing. So they don't have the shape change that's available to that that, that is necessary for them to move from their ER to IR representation, right? Which means they don't have the connective tissue behavior intact, or and or they can't make the shape change. Now you got people that are trying to produce force in an ER representation, potentially with the wrong connective tissue behavior. Right. Was, these are the these are the problems that we see. Good morning. Happy Friday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. For those of you on the two-week sprint, this is your review and reflection weekend. So this is about recovery, figuring out whether you're staying on process and getting the things done that you need to get done. Um, digging into today's Q&A, this is with Manuel. This actually builds on a conversation or a series of conversations that we had on some of the, the Coffee and Coaches conference calls. 
and, and a couple of other calls uh, where we've been talking a lot about internal rotation and the representations of how we're taking force from the ground and then reapplying it to the ground and then what shape changes need to occur. So those of you uh, playing the home game, let's take a look at the pelvis real quick. So we're talking about the IR representation of the pelvis here. And remember that we can drive this in two different ways. We can drive it from femur into the pelvis. So we have rotation that's coming up from the ground through the hip into the pelvis to promote the shape change. Or we have the proximal shape change first and then we're driving the internal rotation down back into the ground. So we have early and late representations of, of internal rotation. And so we talked about sled drags, how we can manipulate the belt position to help us influence each one of those. And with Manuel's question, what we did is we, we took it to a split stance. So, so Manuel's a weightlifting coach, so he talks about split jerks a lot, but we can use this in any split stance activity where we'll see the compensatory strategies that come up from the ground or the compensatory strategies that we're delivering to the ground. And then we can start to determine how we're going to structure a coherent program. So if we were using sled drags again as the example, how we're gonna position the belt, how we're gonna cue the activities to promote whether we're influencing internal rotation coming up from the ground or down from the pelvis. So thank you, Manuel, for this question. It's gonna help a lot of people. If you would like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15 minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Please include your question in the email. We will arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding weekend. Podcast will be up on Sunday and I will see you next week. Hey Bill, uh, to follow up on, on Colin's question, you said that if the, um... If they, if they, if the force doesn't travel down to the apex of the sacrum, then the pelvis would have to orient to produce IR from an <clears throat> ER position. Okay. So, so the, the we're, we're talking about the yield, right? So mm -hmm. the connective tissue behavior. So, so it's, where do you want the delay to occur? So think about, so you got to think about the shape change of the pelvis as I'm going through, through middle P I'm assuming an IR representation of the, uh, hang on folks at home, right? So the IR, IR representation. So that's moving into that position, right? So this is going to move me into a nutated sacral position, right? I'll get eccentric orientation posterior lower, okay? And then I have one side that has to move slower than the other. And that's mm -hmm. going to be where the delayed representation is going to be because of the shape change, okay? So I have I have an ilia that, that is that is basically compressing the, the base of the sacrum, okay? And so the, the delay is gonna move from, from the, the base of the sacrum towards the apex of the sacrum, because that's where I have the connector tissues available that can now distribute the, the energy for the yield, okay? It's gonna slow it down. So those, those tissues will expand. They're gonna absorb energy because next thing that's gonna happen I got to snap those babies back into an overcoming representation to push um, the IR into the ground, right? So the same thing is happening when I see people do a split jerk, right? And then instead of being in an upright position, their pelvis is forward and they have to lean forward as they're catching overhead. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, you've got to think about this, dude. You, you've got a combination of factors there. You got you got you got people that are going to do whatever it takes to assume a position that puts the weight in a space that they can hold it overhead, right? Mm -hmm. And and so, but again, this is where you get to be the great coach, and you go, okay, I'm I'm willing to accept that 
technique under these circumstances. And mm -hmm. then I'm unwilling to do so otherwise, right? You're going to mm -hmm. do everything that you can to make sure that obviously people are doing things in a safe and effective manner, because I know that you're, you're a good coach. Um, but yeah, you're going to see stuff like that. Okay. Especially think about this. Somebody misses their groove by whatever degree, and they're going to move wherever they have to go underneath the weight to make sure that they, that they, you know, capture it. So they get their, their score. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Otherwise miss lift. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a, uh, I was curious about that. So my question is a follow-up from um, a discussion that you had with uh, Dale last time about the sled drag. And you guys were talking about the, um, the position of the belt yep. you know, uh, on the, on the ilium versus uh, on the trochanter. Yeah. And you're saying how you could get, you're getting IR from, you know, based on that placement, you're getting IR um, proximally if you have it on the ilium and a little bit more distally if it's on the trochanter. And so mm -hmm. then uh, my question is, you know, based on, you know, from a powerlifting or weightlifting perspective, what's the, what's the difference slash utility or slash scenario where we would want to differentiate between the two? Like, okay. Would you want to use those? Perfect, Perfect question. Okay. Um, you're, you're working on the jerk today. Mm. Okay. Lead leg versus, versus trail leg. There's the difference. Okay. Where are you having the greatest issue in capturing the internal rotation? Mm. Okay. So if you, if you were seeing the ER comp compensatory strategy on the lead leg, okay, that would be somebody that's having issues. Okay, we can tie this into Colin's question. That would be somebody that's having trouble capturing the IR from the ground up, right? And so under that circumstance, I got to make sure that I got a femur that can, that can direct the force from the ground to the center of the pelvis. Otherwise, as that force comes up, it misses the pelvis and it goes around the bend, so to speak. It goes around the outside of the hip instead of going straight up into the, the pelvis, which is where you want it to be, right? Okay. So again, so, so you drop the belt a little bit lower and, and you, you want to emphasize trying to, to move the femur into the IR position to promote the shape change proximal. Okay. If I had a trail leg issue, so this is, let's just say you got a left foot lead, right foot back jerk. <clears throat> this is the person that is opening the, the pelvis too far to the right, okay? Or their knee is deviating away from a vertical position or their back foot is turned out like they pivot out on the ball of their foot to capture their jerk. Under those circumstances, slide the belt up and get the ilial shape change, okay? That is going to be a proximal shape that I got to drive down into the ground. Do you see the difference between the two? Yes. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's just what direction are you going to be driving this internal rotation? So, so again, if you look at, if you look at this from the perspective of, of space time, okay. The energy comes up from the ground on the lead foot. It's got to go through the femur. The femur has to be able to move into IR to promote the shape change in the pelvis. On the back leg, I got to start with the shape change and then push the, push the IR down. 
That's the difference in strategy. Mm-hmm. Subtle, yes. Useful, yes. Yeah, because the back leg tends to be just to have more orientation at the pelvis. You see that a lot. Whereas the front leg, whereas the front leg tends to have more deviation at the femur. Yeah. Or at least that's that's what I see. Because yeah. It's just direction. It, it's literally just the, 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 if you think about it as a, as a directional thing, it's like, okay, where am I starting from? So if I'm pushing through the back leg, it's got to come from me down to the ground. Yeah. And so, so I got to have, I got to have the right shape and then the femur is going to follow. And then I'm going to drive the force into the ground on the back line. Okay. Yeah. That makes but sense. It, but it goes, it goes for any split, like it goes for any split activity. Right. Right. Same, same principle. Okay, yeah, so that that makes sense to me for for that movement. I was I was coming into it thinking more of like a like say a, a squat or a deadlift in what uh, in the way that Dale uses it, but it's okay. still for the jerk. We can hang on. We can still talk. We can still talk about that, right? Because yeah, because we've got we we have um, we have we have force absorption and force production, mm-hmm. right? In both scenarios, right? So as I as I descend. I have to absorb energy, right? Same principle, same principle. If you're having trouble acquiring position on the descent, then drop it to the trochan. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I'm having trouble coming out of the bottom, that's where mm-hmm. I got to, that's where I got to, that's where I have to take the force or the energy that I've absorbed, change the shape and start driving it back from me into the ground. So standing up from the squat is proximal to distal, right? So you'd put the belt on the ilium. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, like I said, a subtle difference, a subtle difference, but, but again, it could, it could be the difference.